So from the Lone Star State, we head to Marina Bay. And of course, we now travel from the United States to Asia. And more specifically, you might have guessed it in my little ditty there. We're now over to my good friend over in Singapore. Welcome to the show, Weihan Chan. It's been a minute, my good friend. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you, Alex. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, great to be finally on the most famous commentator show on, in the sim racing world with, of course, Alex Goldschmidt. God, the flattery will get you everywhere, Wei Han. <laughs> um, but, uh, Wei Han, if you could uh, introduce yourself to the audience at home, please. Sure. So, yeah, my name is Wei Han, full name Chan Wei Han. Uh, I'm 25. Uh, I live in Singapore. I'm from Singapore, and I've been sim racing for, well, 12 years already. I think 11 or 12 years. Mm -hmm. So it's. In, in many ways, sim racing has been a huge part of my life, and you know it's kind of brought me to many places that I never thought I would have uh, imagined. A lot of life experiences and friends made and lessons learned. Yeah, true, especially with your most recent European tour, where you caught up with the previous uh, an alumni, uh, not just of AMX Global but also of Commentators Corner, uh, managed to. M visit the Italian stallion himself, Mr. Marco Barbanera, which was great to see you guys um, meeting up and, uh, and and just talking. Uh, and I wanted to get, uh, you know, the thing is, is that, as you said, we get these experiences in life and to be able to travel and to be able to visit people that you normally would see on the end of a Discord call or a video call like we're doing right now, it's very different in the atmosphere the adrenaline and and everything else when you you see that person and you don't want to give him a handshake you want to give him a big hug don't you yes and that was exactly what happened <laughs> when marco appeared in front of me in front of the the room that i was at i opened the door and straight away he jumped in with a hug and you know that that was the best was the best hug i've, <laughs> I've had in a long time and yeah you're you're right i think sim racing is is one of those mm, i would say well, for me, it's, it's still an interest. Well, it's one of those things you do that, uh, you know, you, you spend a long time with a lot of friends that you may not know in person. You spend a lot of time with them online doing things, racing, commentating, planning, racing leagues and stuff like that. And then when you see them in real life, it's you, you kind of put a face to the name uh, in mm. one way. And you, you kind of also, you kind of step into what, what you would usually experience in sim racing as, uh, you know, as this. And then you kind of go a couple of steps deeper when you see someone in person. I think that's usually the, the best thing that's, that's come with, with sim racing for me, yes. I think also the same could be very much true when it comes to LAN events as well. You know, myself being, um, you know, the lead commentator for the ADAC Sim Racing Expo, being in a LAN environment is so much more visceral. You, you know, you're attacked at, at all senses. You know, that you can, you, you can do like handshakes or high fives or, brush, you know, it, it's it's great to have that kind of atmosphere, but of course, when we're on a a Discord call or we're we're commentating, like say you and I, we've well for those that are wondering about a little bit of history between myself and uh, Wei Han, we first came across each other thanks to the Rotax Sim Racing Challenge, which just so happened to be on Apex Racing TV with myself as part of the commentary crew along with Wei Han. Uh, so for those wanting to watch the entire stream, link is in the description down below, along with Apex Racing TV's socials as well. Whilst I'm whilst I'm at it, you know, got to give a little bit of love back to fellow members in the of the sim racing community. 
but then of course we started working together on AMX Global um, over in South Korea. Now we've been, uh, you know, when you get behind the wheel, it's one thing, but when you get the opportunity to to commentate uh, on sim racing, Weihan, just give me and uh, give our, our myself and also the audience. What are the different visceral feelings that you get for for competing as a sim racing driver, but then when you're commentating on fellow sim racing drivers within the community, what what are the biggest differences that you find are most apparent? Ah uh, yes, the million dollar question. So, uh, when so well, I I would kind of split my experience in sim racing to one half uh, being you know only racing and, and the other half the more recent five or six years or so. Where I was more active in commentary, and I think that there are some similar similarities and differences、uh, in both instances, whether you're driving or when you're commentating. You have to kind of、uh, soak in the excitement, the tension of the race. But、uh, the thing with commentating is that you 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 have to kind of experience or rather perceive the race from various different angles. Because when you're racing, you take the perspective of one driver. When you're commentating, you try to put yourself in you try to put yourself in in as many shoes as possible of of the drivers that are that are on the grid that are going around the track. And I think one of the key differences also is that you get to see what a lot of drivers may not see.、Uh, you get to see things from a spectator's point of view, and more importantly, you get to piece a story together from the start to the finish. And kind of like how you know, in any story, you you'd have main characters, you'd have supporting characters, you'd have different scenes to a show. Uh, I find that to be the case with commentary as well. With when you're in a race broadcast, because any moment,、uh, any given moment of time, you'd have battles between, let's say, the race leaders.、Uh, you have battles between the drivers in the mid pack, and sometimes these things do blend in here and there. So I think the key difference with commentating is that you are piecing a story for others, whereas if you're driving,、uh, you you kind of sit in a story、uh, on your own. Yeah,、mm. that's quite an interesting way of. Of putting it that from a driver's perspective, you're very much cocooned in your own bubble. You know, you've got your headphones on, you've got your sim racing gloves on. Some people decide to race with boots or socks, or I've even known people to race in sim racing with bare feet. Why? It's unhygienic.、Uh, but that's another point、uh, to be discussed at another time with another guest, maybe.、Uh, <laughs> you know,、um, but yeah, I think it's as you say, commentary is the art of conveyance. You are. Piecing together a a story, and that story has multiple different chapters. I mean, how did you get your start in commentary, Weihan? Was it was it with Apex Racing TV? Right. So okay,、uh, it's quite interesting. Sorry. So、uh, Apex was they, they were a big part of my journey, but I didn't actually begin with Apex Racing TV. So how it started was、uh, back in twenty seventeen.、Uh, I was. Getting involved in organizing an iRacing league for the Asian community, which I've been very active with、uh, over the past ten、uh, years or so. So、mm-hmm. in 2017, I I got involved in support in supporting a a sim racing league called Sim Races Asia.、Um, so at the same time, I also had my then team boss who ran a broadcasting channel in Australia called uh, RRTV. Uh, he's from Redback Racing Team, so RRTV is that channel.、Uh, so. You know, we kind of knew one another. Myself,、uh, my friends at Sim Racing Asia,、uh, Sim Races Asia, as well as uh, uh, my ex-team boss at、uh, RRTV. So it so happened that during discussions for the league, you know, we were kind of discussing what do we want to do for this season back、mm-hmm. in 2017. How would the racing be like? How would the broadcast be like? And one fine day,、uh, 
my ex boss, his name is Bernie Weemers, who I own, who I owe everything to. And he he just texted me one day and said, "I think you should try commentating." And I guess the rest was history. So 2017, <laughs> I took, <laughs> I started. I, I I still remember till this day. My first race, uh, my first broadcaster race was uh, GTEs at Lime Rock Park. Uh, oh, that's... Don't, don't watch that broadcast. No, no, but but, but that's but that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a combination. That's a hell of a combination. <laughs> Yes. I mean, coming back to when I started in sim racing commentary, May 2020, uh, Team Brit Summer Series, ACC, and it was uh, GT3s at Suzuka. Because back then, we didn't have GT4s, we didn't have the GT2s. Um, and I still remember one of my good friends, Chris McCarthy, he went, Alex, sim racing is just like real life racing. You'll get the goosebumps on, on your forearms, you get the hair standing on the back of your neck. Just treat it like it was if it was a karting event. And the first 15 minutes of doing the five-minute intro and, like, welcoming everybody to the show, da-da-da-da-da. First 15 minutes of qualifying, I remember what happened. The last 15 minutes, even to remembering who put it on pole, has still, to this day, evaded my memory banks and is a complete black hole. Um, But then the race got underway and it was all fine, you know. And then here I am now, you know, what are we, January 2024. Can't believe I'm saying that. That literally, I'm four months away from being. What is it? Four years in in the sim racing space as a commentator, which is quite surprising. It feels like it's been longer than that. It feels like it's been like a decade of the amount of different, you know, different different sim racing competitions, different sim racing leagues. Um, but yeah, you said that you've been involved within sim racing for you know more than 50% of your, your your time on this earth. I mean, how did you first get involved? Was it mainly sort of like just, you know, what was your, what was your setup at the point as well? Because we're talking, we're talking like uh, mid, mid the first decade of, um, of, of 20, of, wow. of the 2000s, of the 2000s, aren't we effectively? Well, I actually started in 2011 when I got a birthday gift from a friend uh, with, uh, I, I got a GTR 2. The simulator, but it came in a in a CD. So that was my first simulator. I, I played with my keyboard. Uh, one year later, uh, what happened was uh, Intel Extreme Masters, uh, which was an esports uh, tournament back then. They came to Singapore. They had a they had a esports event, and they had some i racing setups there. And what happened was uh, with those i racing setups, yeah, they gave away promo codes for membership. So I went there. I tried i racing. I got a promo code for a membership. Then a month later, which was Christmas of 2012, I bought. My mom bought for me a G27, which is still right here in front of me. This G27 oh, from my... 2012. Oh, so <laughs> so the the good old Logitech stalwart, the G27. My goodness. Mm-hmm. And it's still and it's yeah, still and so... it's still and it's still fully operational as well. Yeah, this is my my main wheel that I that I race. <laughs> Folks, it just goes to show Logitech do good products. Get yourself a G27, and like Weihan, you can use it for over a decade. <laughs> yeah then maybe i'll just walk you through uh, you know a little bit more about how, how i started uh, sim racing so yeah sure go for it uh, i got into i got started to get active in i racing in in, in 2013 that's when i joined uh, the community that i mentioned earlier on uh, sim races asia which was where i got to know a lot of friends from from across southeast asia east asia and even australia as well so that was kind of how i got really active into the into the regional sim racing uh, community mostly centered on i racing uh, back then uh, well, spent a couple of years racing with them. I, I'm still active with them uh, till till this day. Uh, spent a couple of uh, 
years racing with them. I've also raced with uh, various teams uh, in the Australian iRacing community. You know, got to know a couple of friends here and there before then. Coming towards uh, 2017, which was when I pivoted away from racing, uh, because I knew that I, I I'm no longer fast. I, I can't I can't be a fast driver. Why not try something else that I can actually be half decent at? Which <laughs> so happened to be race <laughs> race commentary and yeah, and I, I think that was uh, that, that was really the, the the fun part. Yeah, I mean, the I think the biggest thing is is that sim racing around the world has just I wouldn't say to the, it hasn't. A lot of people are like saying when we hit the pandemic and everyone was locked in their in their rooms or whatever and only able to go out. I mean, it was so draconian in some places you weren't even allowed out of your house or your apartment. I mean, especially in China uh, yes. and certain Asian nations as well. It was quite hefty, from what I understand. From if I remember correctly, for, with regards to Singapore, it was quite uh, draconian in the lockdown procedures that they had. But you know, it, it really brought the sim racing community so much more together. And, I mean, how has sim racing evolved since the impact of the pandemic in, in, in say, not just Singapore, but, you know, when you've got, you got the likes of Alex Jung and Axel Sports over in Malaysia, you know, you've got the South Korean scene um, with, of, of course, Hyundai having a bit of a presence with the, with, with the you know, with the N brand. Uh, and, and Japan, we, we've always known that Japan has been very, very big into their games, but they tend, uh, you know, a lot of the sim racing now is is becoming more prevalent. We're seeing some big names. I mean, like, say, for example, Philippa Bakida is, is one name that I'll throw into the conversation. You know, very, very credible driver from Australia has represented um, Australia at the SRO Motorsport Games uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, just uh, just over a year ago at Circuit Paul Ricard in person, you know it's great to see. I mean, how has it evolved over in in Asia, but in particularly where you are in Singapore? How has how has sim racing sort of evolved since the pandemic? Well, I, I think sim racing has become more prolific, more popular across the board, where, where, wherever you may be, as as long as you're in markets where you have access to internet or like uh, computers in general. So, um, I, I would say that the so basically what happened in 2020 was obviously pandemic happened, as you mentioned, and sim racing kind of uh, grew. Uh, but exactly how much it grew, that was an interesting part, because in the second quarter of 2020, from April to June, sim racing experienced two years worth of growth within mm -hmm. three months. That was what propelled sim racing so far up. And uh, very quickly, uh, it, it happened that a lot of uh, brands, not just motor, uh, not just uh, automotive brands, motorsports brands, and also various other brands, they, they kind of wanted a slice of the pie as well. So uh, a lot of these uh, private sector act, uh, players came into sim racing. Uh, I, uh, that, that was, I guess, one of the main contributors to growth. And I think fi finally, sporting bodies kind of saw that sim racing was, uh, in, in, in many ways, equivalent to motor racing. You, you're, you're able to... You're able to kind of... Uh, participate in motorsports, uh, but just do so in front of your monitor screens and you can kind of experience what racing drivers will experience, but for mm. just a fraction of the cost and with just a fraction of the resources uh, required. So uh, specifically in Asia, because, you know, let, let's let's face it here in Asia, uh, apart from Japan, apart from, yeah, perhaps apart from Japan, well, motorsports hasn't really been uh, that big of a thing in Asia. So, you know, we've always kind of, we, we've always been kind of a few steps behind you guys in, in the Americas and in Europe. But uh, there has still been, there is still, you know, quite a strong following, especially for some of the other 
uh, more accessible SIM titles like Acetyl Corsa, ACC, or even R Factor 2 as well. So uh, you, you, you would kind of see the Asian sim racing strength to kind of lie outside of iRacing in mm-hmm. those platforms. Uh, you would also kind of uh, see that, uh, I, I, I would say that in, 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 some, in, in, in some ways, what we, uh, perhaps earlier on in the previous decade, you know, maybe, maybe we, did, we didn't really have that, that many talents of sim racing from Asia, but within the last uh, six or seven years, we, we did have quite a lot more sim racers uh, kind of uh, surface from, specifically from this part of Asia where motorsport isn't really as prevalent. Uh, yeah. So that that was uh, definitely interesting to see, and mo- most importantly, it's about sim racing. It's about enabling the passions for enthusiasts to kind of enable them to have a taste of what uh, professional racers uh, kind of experience for the day job. So you can, uh, if if I were to kind of explain, you know, what sim racing kind of would kind of mean to 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 I guess uh, all, most of us here, it's it, it's kind of um, you. You know, you typically, if if not for sim racing, what what are some other ways that you can experience motorsports? You only have like things like karting, which for us here in Asia, it's much more expensive and inaccessible. So yeah, that's that. Mm. Yeah, I, I I actually like the fact that you mentioned about uh, about karting because there is a big event actually happening at the end of this month, the Rotax Max Challenge. Asia Festival happening in Sepang, not too far from Kuala Lumpur Airport. Um I mean, and I know some of the uh, some of my friends, uh, Roger Young from Chinese Taipei in the island of Taiwan. He's got a crew going over there. There's international interest. Uh, there's even people from the UK, the US, Brazil, um, Mexico that are going to be going there because it's the first opportunity to try and grab tickets for the 2024 Rotax Max Challenge Grand Finals, which take place in Sarno between the 19th and the 26th of October. That that's the thing about me, folks. When I get dates in my head. They never leave. I mean, you you know about that firsthand when we were working together on the Rotax Sim Racing Challenge, and I and there were certain drivers that I knew, and I went, yeah, that guy's been competing in this, or that guy's done this, or that guy's done that, and I think you and I had a long discussion after that broadcast, uh, and you just went, how do you remember this stuff? And I said, like, I don't know, I've just got a <laughs> photographic memory. Um, well. But I th- I think like coming on to commentary style, you know, we're all very very individual, way, Hun. I mean. How would you express your commentary style? How how would you explain it to someone who wanted to understand it? Well, uh, I kind of prefer to wing it uh, without you know without exactly planning that much uh, in advance because you know I, I I'm I'm not someone who who does my whole work. Probably not a good thing, but <laughs> uh, I, I kind of enjoy. The action as it comes in sim racing because obviously you in a race you have moments where you have a lot of action and you have moments where you don't really have uh, much things going on. I I kind of enjoy things as they come, mm-hmm. so that would kind of be my style. Uh, no, you know, come in just you know, not really anticipating anything, but also you know just just kind of t- t- taking on a, uh, you know, a, a, uh, being being open to whatever that happens, and more importantly, gelling well with a co-commentator. I think that's also very important. Yeah, I, th- I think we, we sort of hit it off really, really well when, when we did that first broadcast and obviously subsequent broadcasts after that. You know, it, uh, and folks, it, the thing is when you have a commentary duo that works well, works well with each other, yeah, they might trip over each other as in they talk over each other. It does happen. Um, I won't I won't lie. It's happened to me many a times. 
Um, and sometimes it could be over the most random thing, making an opinion. Uh, ah, actually, there's one thing I need to ask you. Do you believe in the following? Commentator's curse or a fate of circumstance? Fate of circumstance. Yes, another one joining the brigade. Um, for those... But, what? Everything in life happens for a reason. Yeah, you could just be talking about somebody and something happens. It's happened to me so many times. Like, And we're both of the Lewis McGlade school of thought. So, Lewis, when we get you on the show, we're going to have a big old talk about fate, fate of circumstance. I, I, I think that's also a really good thing that the amount of people that have said to me, you put the commentator's curse on me. I said, well, you came and told me something and I mentioned it during the broadcast. So, hey, I can only say it's your fault on that one. Um, but what would you say have been your, your highlights um, as, a, as a sim racing commentator? You know, like w being given the opportunities and are there any sort of like real sort of standout moments that always stick in your mind? Well, um, let's put it this way. Uh, for quite a number of the races that I, that I cover, especially the, the racing leagues that I do in Asia, I most of the time I know most of the drivers on the grid. So commentating someone in a sim race and knowing them in real life, meeting them in real life, that to me is one of the highlights. Mm -hmm. Because you, you you know, you see someone racing on screen and then you, you, you know them in person. So that's one. Mm. Um couple of instances where I did uh, commentary in person, uh, one or two events that have happened over the past couple of years, that would be another because I've 95% of the time I'm doing broadcasts from, from my own bedroom. So that's that. Mm -hmm. And I would also say the instances where I've gotten the opportunity to commentate on real-world racing drivers. Like, for instance, uh, on AMX, you have Max Verstappen on some of the, on some of the races. Yeah. Uh, likewise, likewise with... On, on, on a broadcast that I did a couple of years ago with uh, Shane Van Gisbergen as well. Yep. And I think a couple of other racing drivers, yeah. So those would be some standout, uh, memorable, valuable moments for me in sim racing commentary. Yeah. Well, let's um, let, let, let's go a little bit off tangent here, Weihan. Let, let's talk about your European trip. Now, you were away for quite a few months, weren't you, earlier on this uh, uh, mid-part of last year, <laughs> if I remember correctly? Yes, yeah. So I was in I, I was in Europe uh, in in August, September, and the start of October of last year. So a total of eight or nine weeks. I was in I was in Europe, mo mostly in Italy. Uh, so, uh, well, what happened was back then I just uh, graduated from university, so I just wanted to you know disappear from Singapore because Singapore is the most boring place in the world. I just wanted to move, <laughs> disappear for a bit, and kind of uh, travel for a bit. Um, so I was in Italy for for most but one week of my time time in europe i visited a couple of places so i was for most of the time i was based in the north uh just out, just in on along the outskirts of milan but i did visit some nice uh motor racing places <laughs> so i went to monza to 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 catch the italian grand prix uh, although it was on qualifying day so mm -hmm. but but still the tifosi atmosphere there was was brilliant uh, i went to modena I went to Modena. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I went. <laughs> yes. Specifically, I visited uh, Lamborghini, Ferrari, and Pagani. Ah, uh, yes, of course. For those yes. that don't know, uh, the yeah. Uh, so Maranello, Sant'Agata Bolognese, and then Horatio P Pagani's uh, home oh, as well. Yes. I mean, 
you know you know what i i do love italian sports cars i think if you are a petrol head you've got a screw loose or a tap it short on a v12 if you don't love italian machinery i mean like in in my in my bedroom i've got i've got a really really cool picture which is of a 250 gto a 512 berlinetta and another car i can't make out which one it was but it was one of the older ones but they're all coupe they're all coupes and they all are in the traditional rosso corsa red back in those days um yeah so i mean like i've um yeah i've i've seen lambi you know i was at i was at the crowd strike 24 at spa and qualifying or you know pre-qualifying before the top 20 shoots out um even though it was it was raining cats and dogs i didn't care like i was seeing porsche 992 gt3 rs go down from la source heading down into eau rouge at full pelt you know they're accelerating you can hear the exhaust but the exhaust gases burn off as they're bumping up through the gears you hear the lamborghinis like literally roar the audis the bmws it was just like the ultimate gt3 exhaust concerto when you had 69 cars going out for qualifying and it was raining cats and dogs of all places at spa and like every time every time a lamborghini well because at that that weekend we you know as part of the support bill we had the Lamborghini Super Trofeo. We also had the GT4 European and Scandinavian series. We had the McLaren Trophy Europe Championship, which had the 570S and also the Arturas um, that are now part of the GT4 stable from Woking. And it was like literally, I've I've been to every single major paddock. So I've been to Formula One, I've been to WEC, I've been to Formula E, British Touring Cars, DTM, but nothing. And I mean this, folks. If you ever get the chance to go to the CrowdStrike 24 Hours of Spa-Francorchamps, do it. Because it is, like, literally, you can walk around, you know, like, literally, the top pit pit boxes. You see all the big teams like Iron Lynx, AF Corsa, Team WRT. It is just, like, wall-to-wall GT3 paraphernalia. And, like, I was... I just couldn't believe it. I was just like, I was complete. You know, when, like I said, when you get to an event and you're assaulted from all senses, it is a case of you, you just go with the flow. Your brain's like telling you what to do, what to say, where to go. And your body is just saying, no, I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy this. Like the, the inner child just goes, sod it. We're here. We're going to, unlike Lich, I was walking around tents and everything. I was, I was there on work detail anyway, but it was great to see friends and catch up with people and and sometimes just get a chance to sort of relax and just really take in that atmosphere. And that would have been the same when you went to to Autodromo Nazionale di Monza on qualifying day in Formula One. I mean, the uh, uh, you know, despite the fact that you're having to get your way through the fence, just like the Tifosi are, because it's Whenever, whenever it's Monza, whenever it's Formula One, and the prancing horse, the Cavalino Rampantes, are out on track, the Tavosi are one of the most passionate set of individuals uh, in the world. I mean, apart from obviously going to visit Pagani, Lamborghini, and Ferrari, um, 
you know, being able to get away from Singapore and experience a different type of culture. That's what travel's all about, isn't it? Yeah. And beating Marco. Oh, right. <laughs> right. I've been waiting to hear about this. You, you've that now you've said and I've beaten Marco. You've got to now talk to me about this because I'm very intrigued. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, yeah. So uh, of the weeks I was in Italy, I, I did a, a week long trip down to Rome. So from, from Milan down to Rome, uh, I caught up with Marco for a couple of, well, we, 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 we had, we met up for two nights and also on the, on my last day, uh, at Rome. And I'll tell you something, Marco in person, he is the definition of a champion storyteller. He's, you know, w when you're with him, you you know you, you feel like he, he he transports you to fairy tale land even though you're just like sat in front of him at, at a at a at a at a restaurant or you mm -hmm. know walking down uh, maybe a two thousand year old road in in Rome, you know he he has that ability to to transport you from planet Earth to some other universe and then back to Earth again, <laughs> and I, I think for for one reason I think I think that's that's what makes him such a great commentator but but also you know su such a such a lovely person to be with as well and. You know, I uh, so maybe I'll just share with you. I got to know Marco from Apex Racing TV back in 2018. He was the first friend that, that I met back then, uh, mm -hmm. from 2018. Which and th that was also the reason why I decided to pull him over to Amex because you know we 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 had such a great time. We, we commentated together for like three years, and you know, I had, when when Amex had an opening when I came in, I had to pull him in as well to to kind of take our shenanigans <laughs> and ensure that it continues. And mm. you know, meeting him in person was really the you know to to kind of put everything together and you know that was something that i really enjoyed so like the uh it was the icing on the cake so to speak way han i mean that you know yes. it i think it for, for those people that wonder about what we get up to outside of it you know it's like we were getting on the amx discord server a running commentary from way han on what was going on? He said, "Oh, look who I bumped into!" And there he was with Marco, brothers in arms, like two, you know, thick as thieves, which is really, really good. But, um, so, so, so you you spent a bit, quite a bit of time in Italy. Uh, where else did you go uh, in Europe? Yes. So, um, yeah, I was in Italy uh, about nine, eight, eight, nine weeks. Uh, one week in Rome. I spent one week uh, in in Austria as well. I was following my my uncle, who's well, he's he's Dutch, so he he was on a a work trip uh, to 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 Vienna, so I followed him uh, up up there for a week, and then I did a day trip over to Bratislava in Slovakia, which was also interesting. So, mm -hmm. you know, within that short span of time, you know, I had I was able to visit a couple of uh, other places as well, uh, interesting places, quite nice places. I've also then uh, on the week the week before I left, I went to Switzerland. The Italian part of Switzerland over in Ticino, so that was also quite interesting. Although, uh, the the most notable thing would be the price difference of espresso. So in 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 Italy, you you have espresso for one one euro thirty cents, but over in Ticino or in Switzerland, two euros and sixty cents. So yeah, be you'll be lucky if you pay only twenty five US dollars for a cheeseburger and fries over in Switzerland. I know that from experience. Uh, that was that was not great when I got handed the bill, um, <laughs> but you know it's 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 part and parcel. I mean, I I love Italy. I think it's it's not just about the um, 
it's it's not just about the supercar culture, but it's also about the motorsport culture. When you look at you know the, how we're now seeing something that I think a lot of people have been looking forward to that this year for for World Endurance Championship, we have got Lamborghini and Ferrari in the LMDH category, and my Godfathers, I'm I, I'm so excited. You know, we've got the new Alpine 424. Um, shout out to my good buddy Fred, uh, Ferdinand Habsburg, who's running with Alpine this year. Uh, and then you look at who else is in that team, Mick Schumacher. He's sort of done a reverse of what his dad did uh, back in the day when Michael used to be part of the Mercedes Junior team, ran in the Sauber C9 Mercedes in, in World Sports Cars, and then transferred over to Formula 1, whereas Mick has had... A little bit of, you know, a very, very successful feeder single series career, you know, taking the FIAF2 championship with Prima Power Team a couple of years ago and then coming in um, and then having a regulation change to deal with. You know, everyone was expecting, there was so much hype because of who he was and the surname. Uh, but now to see him. Um, and then I think we've also got Iazetta Francini, which is also coming in, another Italian brand. Uh, and a brand very much unknown. But let's talk about WEC a little bit, because it is, you know, we see a lot of the, the LMDH cars now. We see the Caddy. We see the we see the BMW. I think we've got the Peugeot coming as well, uh, or I think it's already starting to show on sim racing platforms. How excited are you, Wayhan, about the LMDH uh, side of the World Endurance Championship for, for 2024 because there's going to be a new nation as well, Qatar, the 18-12 kilometres, that's 335 laps of the uh, LaSalle International Circuit and they've got the prologue there as well. Um, I don't think the FIA World Endurance Championship has been such a strong place uh, when it comes to top tier sports cars like we've got now as we have done from probably since the 90s, I would have thought, probably from the World Sports Car Championship. Well, I am of the opinion that we're probably walking towards another heyday of sports car racing. I think we are. Mm -hmm. with, with, with the roster of uh, manufacturers that, that, that have uh, come on board, I, I, think, I think we're set for, for a new era of, of, uh, of, of, I guess, the best sports car racing. Of course, like, Ten, I guess eight years ago we we had Ford that came back, and then they they rivaled Ferrari. So Ford Ford versus Ferrari that was something interesting. But I think what we're seeing now could be the best that we'll have like ever since the start of this century. Yeah, and then also we sort of we've said goodbye to GTE and now LMGT3 comes in, um, which I'll be completely honest with you, I was into mines until when I was at Spa for the 24 hours of, of Spa-Francorchamps for the CrowdStrike 24. And then I see in front of me, uh, because what what uh, SRO do is that for the Spa 24, there is a big parade of every single car that is on the grid, including the GT3s. And at that weekend, it just so happened to be the weekend where Multimatic and Ford Performance unveiled the Mustang GT3. And I was I was well I was working with Oru Simulators, Simucube, and Team WRT doing some content for them whilst I was whilst I was there. And um, I've walked in because where you got La Source, you um, 
you got a set of the Tech Pro barriers, and they'd obviously opened everything up so the fans could see Valentino Rossi come through in the number 46 Sketchers BMW M4 GT3, no surprise there. So I decide to walk down and find out from an eyeball perspective how steep that descent is down to Rouge from La Source. And it is pictures do not do it justice. And then you look up and go, holy shit, there's Radion. Um, but I was seeing like a, a few of the Lamborghini GT3s, Lamborghini Huracans, then you had a few of the Audis and the Mercedes. And so then I walk past a, a multitude of Audi R8 uh, safety cars. And then I see uh, the Ken Block Audi Pikespeak Hoonatron car, which that week was piloted by Christopher Mees and was also in display in the bottom paddock by the Fanatec, uh, Fanatec Arena. And then I see a hint of dark navy blue, orange, purple, big wing, and then see the pony, then see the FP for Ford Performance. And there it is, in front of me, the brand new Mustang GT3. They fired that thing up, and a lot of people, um, there is actually a document, uh, Ford Performance Now is actually doing a multi-part documentary on YouTube about the development of the new GT3, which is now going to be running in Fanatec GT World Challenge this year as well with a two-car effort for Dynamic GT. Quite a few drivers, including Dennis Olsen. Uh, I think Fred Verviche is one of their drivers that they just signed as well. News has only just come out, so I can't remember unless I have a look at my phone, and I'm not going to bother at the minute. But they fired that thing up. Flat, plank, uh, flat cra uh, plane crank V8, naturally aspirated. And the block is actually from the... Um, it's actually machined by Ford themselves. They actually have, uh, so Ford Performance and Multimatic, they can go directly to the parts division or at the factory and say, right, we need a new block for an engine. And there'll be a specific parts code derivative. They go, yeah, we need this, and then give the additional parts code derivative, and then bang, there we go, job done. And the shells are production-based shells. They just cannibalize them quite significantly, cut them up. Uh, quite a lot in order to put all the relevant bits and pieces on but it fired up and then roared past me and I was just like this I went I was speaking to a couple of the full performance people and I just went I am so pleased I am here to see that thing in person they said sounds great doesn't it I said I can't wait to see it out on track next year he said yeah it's getting closer it's getting closer but yeah development's really underway now this car will be singing I said it's already singing, even though it's doing 30 miles an hour up the top towards at the top of La Source. Um, but, uh, of course, one of the big attractions about Singapore is, of course, the Singapore Grand Prix that happens in uh, in there every year. Have you have you ever sort of been able to uh, spectate and see what it's all about um, since, you, you know, uh, since Formula One has been there for quite a few years now, hasn't it, at, at Marina Bay? Yeah, so uh, Formula One first came to Singapore in 2008. I was 10 then, and that, that was kind of like my first touch points with motor racing in general. Uh, I first ma managed to spectate uh, the Grand Prix in Singapore in 2017, and I've kind of watched it 
I, w- I was fortunate uh, enough to be able to 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 spectate the Singapore Grand Prix for for each of the years that uh, that that Formula One has been here in Singapore. Apart from this year, Barrasel Monza, but <laughs> hey, great, but yeah, good I trade think... there. <laughs> yeah, good trade, man. Anytime, any day. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about racing in Singapore is, uh, you know, we are not. Singapore is not a motorsport country, so mm-hmm. you. I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when when the Singapore Grand Prix was kind of conceptualized, it was done with the motor racing element, the Formula One, the Grand Prix itself as part of the whole package. So why why do I say that? It's because usually with Grand Prix weekends, uh, it happens also that you'd have celebrity bands playing, and a lot of uh, a lot of the local fans, right? They would they would usually watch the Grand Prix, uh, typically because you have big bands coming down to Singapore to play during during the Grand Prix weekend. So let's say uh, Maroon 5, The mm. Killers. Uh, I think we we did also have uh, Green Day. Green Day was here last year. Okay. Yeah, Green Day came to Singapore Grand Prix. So you, you will find that in, in terms of demographics, you know, people would come to watch the Singapore Grand Prix, you know, mo- most of the time it's also because of the concerts. It's not like over in Europe where you're actually 100% into the racing, uh, into the motor racing, and 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 uh, and you you go there for that reason. So over here, you you do have kind of a, a diverse uh, range of preferences. So that I think that that's what kind of uh, makes Singapore Grand Prix just a little bit different from your typical racing endeavors. Well, nearly time to wrap things up, Weihan. Thank you so much for jumping on board for episode 42, mate. And it's really been great to sort of chew the fat and catch up. But I've got one final question, uh, which I haven't done for quite a few episodes, actually. But, folks, this is, for those that have been long-time viewers or listeners to the show, um, I ask my guests the question, and then I give my relative response. So, Weihan, your final question on episode 42 of Commentator's Corner is that you can have a choice of one race car and one road car. And with each of those cars, select a circuit or a stretch of road that you would like to drive those on. Gosh, this is a tough call. It it gets everybody thinking, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Okay, um, on the road side of things, I look. I I'm a I'm a Ferrari fan, but if there's only one car that I can have. Porsche 964. Oh. Good call. Good call. At. Maybe in the Swiss Alps. For the road side of things. And for the racing side of things. Um, I'll probably settle with a Ferrari 488 GTE because I'm, you know, I'm more attuned to the modern cars. 488 GTE. At. Oh gosh, this race, this racetrack part is, is quite difficult to, 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 to call, man. Let's just go with Le Mans. Okay, good call. Good call. <laughs> so we're talking about the 964 derivative of the 911, uh, produced between 1989 and 1993. Total of nearly 64,000 were built. 
Um, okay. I'm going to go Porsche, but I'm going to go more modern day. And I'm going to go with the current 992 derivative of the GT3 RS. And it will be around a stretch of highway that was negotiated by a certain Subaru WRX, the Transfigaran Highway, which is very, very tight, very twisty, but very fast flowing. Um, you said 488 GTE, and you decided to go with Lamar. I'm going to go with its uh, sibling that rocked up last year. But it's a GT3 car. The Ferrari 296 GT3. And it is going to be at Autodromo Enzo Idino Ferrari at Imola. So. Great choice. Yeah. So two great choices great choice. from two great people. Wayhan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and I will also link AMX Global's social medias down there. So TJ, Reed, Jacob. There's a little bit of love coming back your way, folks. Uh, and also Weihan's social media down below. But thank you very much, Weihan, for being on the show. Really been a pleasure catching up with you again after such a long time. Likewise, that's been Alex. Thanks so much for having me on, on this show. So, folks, that's it for episode number 42 of Commentator's Corner. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening on all the respective platforms. Downforce Radio, The Nation's Motorsport Station, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And as always, if in doubt, flat out. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.